0: have been in the last couple of weeks going through a series of teachings that have to do with the concept of uh, of liturgy. And what we mean by liturgy is the way in which we as followers of Jesus um, express our convictions through bodily action. Okay, It's those um practices and disciplines and ways of life as embodied human beings, not just, not just you know, up in our head, not just in our heart, but head, heart, and body all together as holistic people acting on the convictions that we have. And we believe that as we uh, act in principled ways on these convictions, that our convictions will actually become more and more a reality of our experience. And so, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Devin talked about um, facing God. Last week, we talked about embracing God, and today, we're going to be talking about listening to God. How do we, as humans, actually literally use our ears and our attention to um, hear what Jesus has told us and continues to tell us about life in his kingdom and what his kingdom is like? And... How to understand and obey those things, and so in order to do that, we're going to actually be looking at a text from the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark, Mark, chapter four. So if you have a Bible, um, and the other ninety-nine percent of you that have a phone, uh, you can turn to that uh, that chapter. It'll also be projected on the screen. But before we get into that, I want to I want to pray for our time. Lord Jesus. Help us to remember how central and important your teaching is, that you have and continue to tell us um, about the kingdom of God, uh, about the way this world really is, about how we ought to live as citizens of your Lord help us to recognize how important it is for us to listen to that. And to listen not only not only just to hear, but to seek to understand and to seek to obey. Um, Lord, teach us even now, help us to listen even now uh, to your word. Amen. So Mark. Chapter 4. I'm going to read the first 25 verses. Let's go. <laughs> and again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things parables. And, and in his teaching, he said to them, listen. and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him, with the twelve, asked him about the parables, The sower sows the word. And those are the ones along the path, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. All right. So this uh, teaching from Jesus begins with the word listen. In verse three, he says, "Listen." Now we might we might think initially that this is just you know one of many possible attention getters that he could have used to start a teaching, right? Something like, "Hey," or uh, you know, "Consider this," or "Welcome to the Commons, Galilee." <laughs> um, but actually, as we continue on through the teaching, we realize that this call, this command to listen is in fact the whole teaching. Right? It's the introduction, it's the body, and it's the conclusion. So if there's anything that I want you to walk away with today, it is simply this call from Jesus. To listen to Jesus. Now, after he says listen, Jesus tells a parable. And I I'm going to walk through and summarize this parable again, okay? And then I'm going to ask you a question about it. So he says, a sower, you know, this is S-O-W, not S-E-W, right? So uh, a sower with seeds goes out, and he throws the seeds around on on the ground. And at first, the seeds fall on a place right beside uh, the road. This is really packed down soil, right? So the seed, what does it do? It bounces on top of the soil, sits on top, and then birds come swoop in and grab it. Some other seed falls on soil with rocks in it. So the seed immediately uh, takes root, sprouts up, um, but the roots can't go very deep, right? Because of the rock, they start hitting the rocks. And so when the sun comes up, beats down on the plant, it starts to wither. It has no depth, no root. The third soil. Is a soil with thorns so here actually the seed has some room to grow right it grows down the plant grows up but the soil also has other plants in it, right they grow up with a two and these are thorny plants that twist themselves around that plant and it out. disentangle me And then the last soil, the seed falls on good soil. It produces rain. Now, my question for you about this is do you get it? (laughs) Do you understand the parable? Okay. Now, maybe, you know. Maybe you've interacted with this parable before. Maybe you have some ideas about it because of that, right? Maybe, maybe we just read Jesus' explanation about it. But if you were to think of yourself, put yourself in the shoes of people just hearing this parable, right? Original listeners. Would you understand it? I mean, we get the story, right? But would you actually understand the significance of the story? What is Jesus trying to teach us? in the story. I would say, actually, that that would be hard for you to get, right? Um, But Jesus doesn't seem super interested in making it easy, right? In fact, he doesn't end the parable with something like, you know, is this making sense, everyone? You know, does anyone have any questions? Instead, what he says is simply... Let the one who has ears to hear hear. Okay? If you get what I'm saying, you get it, basically. So, why is this? What's going on? Um, Well, the disciples want to know exactly this, right? So, what they do is they come and ask Jesus about the parables. All right? Not just about this parable, but about what's the deal with your teaching in parables in general. And his answer is really interesting and maybe a bit counterintuitive. Okay? His answer is that the parables are actually a kind of filter mechanism or weed-out mechanism to distinguish or differentiate between those who are ready to hear and those who are not. Okay? So let's listen to what he says here. Verse uh, 10. Verse 10. It says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So I want to make three simple observations about this little section here, about Jesus' teaching in parables in general. So the first observation is, um, as we were just saying, that the parables are actually... um, They aren't, like we would imagine, little stories that Jesus uses to make things more understandable, necessarily. What they are is a kind of blurring of the truth or the message about God's kingdom that is intended to differentiate between the people who can hear and those who cannot. Or the people who are willing, I would say, to hear and those who are not. Now, in order to kind of explain this Jesus actually compares his ministry to the ministry of an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah okay so i don't know if you noticed but in verse 12 he's actually quoting directly from the book of Isaiah okay so that hearing they may hear but not understand this 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 is a quotation actually from a very famous portion of the book of Isaiah Isaiah 6 where Isaiah is called but he sees Yahweh in the temple and is called by him to proclaim a message to the people of Judah. This would be in like the 8th century B.C. And Jesus actually wants us to know by quoting this, that his ministry, he sees his ministry as very similar to Isaiah's. Okay, So, like Isaiah, uh, Jesus is preaching a message in an environment where patterns of sin... In the in the sort of uh, national or public uh, arena have taken root and entangled people over a period of time right uh, things like social injustice, the desire for political gain sort of an advocation of the responsibility of the people of God to be a light to the nations. For Isaiah these things have been happening okay Isaiah proclaimed a message in the face of an impending invasion the invasion of the Assyrians in the 8th century. They would eventually come and destroy much of Judah, though they would actually not destroy Jerusalem in the end. But much of his message is relating to this impending invasion. Jesus also was speaking in the face of an impending invasion. okay The invasion of the Romans in uh, 70 AD, where they would actually destroy the temple and destroy Jerusalem. Okay, And Jesus wants us to know that just like the people of Israel at the time of Isaiah, he also is a prophet speaking into um, a situation in which patterns of sin had been evident for a long time and that they were going somewhere. They were going to ultimately to destruction for the people. Okay? So this is actually the context which, in which the parables are coming out. right? I think that's very important for us to understand because the parables are in some way a response to the patterns of sin that had been there for a long time. See? All right. So finally, I have this question that I've begun to answer, but I'd like to answer a little bit more explicitly. Is this fair? Okay? So basically Jesus is saying, all right, I use parables to make it kind of clear, but not super clear to some people. But you guys get to know the mystery of God's kingdom. Is that fair? Is it just the choice of God, luck of the draw, like which one you are? I would say, no. Jesus is very clear in this teaching that there is actually something that you can do to determine, or to help determine, which one of these categories you're in. Someone who understands, who uh, is able to receive the mystery of God's kingdom, and someone who is not. So the big question is, what is that thing that you do, right? To answer that, I want us to jump down to the end of the teaching. We'll go back uh, again uh, in a minute, but I want us to jump down to the end of the teaching. Verse 24, Jesus says, and he said to them, pay attention to what you For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So check this out. It's like, he makes three statements here. Um, Each one of them explains the other. If you read the last statement, he who has, you know, more will be given. The one who does not have, what he has will be taken away. We're left with the same question. Well, that just seems like pretty unfair. How, do you, how can you say which one is which, and how do we decide that, right? Go to the statement right before that. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the principle that leads to the next principle. right? The principle is, what you invest is what you get. Okay? What you put into it is what you get out of it. Now, What is it that Jesus specifically is applying this principle of investment to? The very first statement he makes here, right? Pay attention to what you hear, Because with the measure you use, it is important to you. The point is, if you pay attention to what Jesus is saying, if you invest your attention with a desire to understand and a desire to follow and to obey what Jesus is saying, what happens is that you gain understanding and fruitfulness in your life. But Jesus is also very clear, if you don't pay attention, if you don't make that investment, he says, even what you have, what understanding and fruitfulness you have, Will begin to ebb away. So this is why, when um, at the end of this chapter, Jesus, or actually Mark writing about what Jesus is doing here, makes a very clear distinction between two kinds of people: those who are investing in hearing and those who are not. And the kind of way that Jesus actually interacted with them. Okay, so check this last part out at the end of the um, at the end of the chapter. Or, yeah, this is verse 33 and 34. It says, "With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, that is, the crowds, as they were able to hear it." He did not speak to them without a parable. What is he saying? Mark is saying that Jesus used parables, this kind of like blurred way of speaking, right? That was difficult for people to understand because it was in accordance with their ability to understand, right? That is in accordance with their investment in what he was saying, okay? Okay? So he spoke to, he did not speak to them without a parable. He was speaking to them with parables as they were able to hear. That is not very well, okay? But, he says, privately he was explaining everything to his disciples. <laughs> you see that? You know The disciples didn't understand this parable either, right? But what was the difference between them? They came and they asked. They wanted to know, they wanted to understand, and they wanted to follow. That's the difference, right? And Jesus says, this is the principle that we have to come with to his teaching and to the word of God with, okay? So, this is, this is an encouraging and sobering principle, right? And so I just want to zoom out for a second and just, like, think about this in relation to our lives. <clears throat> um. Are you paying attention to what Jesus says? Let's think about the ways that he might be speaking to you. Okay? So, one way, super clear, super foundational way. Um, his teachings recorded in the Gospels. Okay? It's just this is right there. We're reading them right now, some of them. (laughs) Okay? Um, I would go so far as to say that there, there are a few things that are extremely central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Okay? And I would say listening to and wrestling with the teachings of Jesus from the time that he was here with us on earth recorded in the Gospels, are, at, are, are one of those very central things. Okay, There's a reason why in the New Testament and in the early church, um, they put such a strong emphasis on something they called the teaching. Okay, They would, they would talk about this, passing on the teaching. What this was, was Jesus' teaching about how the world is, the kingdom of God and what God was doing, and what it looks like for us, like very practically, to live as citizens of God's kingdom. And, you know, if you ever read Jesus' teachings in the Gospels, they are unbelievably... Uh, wow, just got myself into a sentence there. Unbelievably unbelievable. There you go. Uh, they are, they are really amazing. If you start to look at what does Jesus say about the world, about human nature, how does he diagnose the problem of the world? What does he say you ought to do with your life? You know, um, he will say things that will really mess you up <laughs> if you start, like, um, listening attentively and being like, okay, I hear you, how do I do this in my life? You know, it can be really challenging. It can require, I would say, you know, I like the word wrestling, because it, it can really make you wrestle, you know? And I just want to ask you, like, do you wrestle with what Jesus has taught us about life in the kingdom? Um, okay, real talk. Here, as uh, Chris Presat would say, real talk. Um, I, I, I would say maybe in our in T- at TCLA, we have a little bit of fear of wrestling with like what Jesus has said in the Gospels, just like in the Bible, because we're afraid it maybe can get too cerebral. Okay, like, I think it's the sense that because it's very possible to talk about it without living it out in our lives, that is a that's a danger. Because that danger is there, that we should focus on the living without maybe as much of the wrestling, okay? And I just want to say. Maybe we don't have to make that dichotomy. (laughs) Maybe part of the wrestling is figuring out how to live it, right? But we need to not bypass, like, really looking at what Jesus says, okay? And asking ourselves, you know, what does this actually mean? Um, And yeah. Real talk over. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, another way that Jesus might be speaking to you is through community. Um, if you're living the life, life in Christ, like you know, Jesus calls us to live it, you know, we're living it alongside other people who are also trying to live that life. And Jesus often can speak to us through the wisdom, experience, or even supernatural revelation that he gives to other people in our lives. And honestly, this can sometimes be pretty hard to listen to, because other people with the insight God gives them can often see things in our lives that we can't see very well. Uh, Or maybe they have, yeah, maybe they have experience and insight of going through something that we're going through right now and, and can see trajectories that we're on that maybe aren't as good. And um, so I would just encourage you, you know, maybe not everything any other follower of Jesus says about your life is right. I'm not saying that, but, you know, weigh it. Think about, are there ways, are there things that people have said to you even recently that might be the voice of Jesus in your life? Um helping you to rethink it, how you live it. And then lastly, um, the Spirit. Jesus might be speaking to you through, uh, through his Spirit in some way directly to you. Now, I have to admit personally, I don't, I, don't, I'm not, I don't fully understand this one, how this works and when it's happening and when it's not all the time. Okay? trying to learn this better. But I do think that it is true that if we come to God and we ask him um, what he desires to tell us, that he can communicate that to us um, in direct ways. Um, And I would just say as you do this, as you seek this, I think it's all kind of a complex of things, right? It's It's scripture, it's community, and it's, you know, communion with God. Uh, All of these things coming together to help us understand what it is that Jesus desires for our life and uh, and what kind of vision he wants us to have of the world. All right. So that was my first main point, and it was the main one, and I just have one more, okay? (laughs) So... I want to go back to the um, explanation that Jesus gives of this parable this begins in verse thirteen uh, sorry fourteen and I want us to add beyond I guess this basic call to listen to Jesus and to invest in that listening because that is the you know that is the measure that you're going to get out of it right and by that I mean listening with attention and the desire to understand and to obey. Beyond that, Jesus gives in this explanation of the parable a few more principles of fruitful listening, or fruitful hearing, that I want us to to pay attention to. Okay, so, verse 14. The sower sows the word. Uh, That is, the word or message about the kingdom, the teaching about the kingdom. And these are the ones along the path, he says. Is the first soil along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So this first kind of person is a person who is very hardened, right? Like packed soil and inattentive to the words of God's kingdom such that they kind of bounce off of that person, right? Right? They don't penetrate their mind and their heart, and they're extremely quick to reject or just move on. Um, So I'd say, you know, the key word for thinking about the soil is is pardon. Now, I want to be clear as we walk through these soils and their application that it's not just... um, I think we might think, oh, this just applies to people who are non-believers, who might hear the message of the gospel and how they react to it. I think that's absolutely true. As a part of an application of this, it may be in fact that, you know, maybe you're not a believer, and the, these soils describe you, um, your like primary posture toward God's word. I also want to say though that these are characteristics that can define us at various moments in our walk with Jesus, right? In our in our attentiveness to His word, to His teaching. So it might be that you may go through a season of being hardened and feeling, uh, or, yeah, a season of being hardened where, you know, hearing the word of God just kind of bounces off. Of you, right? Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe, maybe, you know, this right here is just bouncing off of you. The second soil is the rocky ground. He says, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So, actually, this kind of person hears the teaching about God's kingdom, and it actually takes root and starts to grow, and they're very excited initially about understanding and obeying what Jesus is saying. But the problem is, it's temporary the root doesn't grow deep. They lack perseverance. Because when things get hard in obeying, or when it becomes unpopular to obey, they let it go. Um, you know, I I was... Uh, my kids and I were... Ri- my boys and I were riding our bikes yesterday together. We went on a bike ride. We are really funny because... Sort of like the three bears, you know, like... I'm kind of the big guy on the big bike, and then Lucas is medium, and then Zion's like small. And his little, he's like pumping those little wheels. Yeah, that's really, really funny. Uh, he works harder than all of us. Uh, so it was fun, though, but I was trying to like, we were in a back neighborhood, and I was trying to teach them to ride on the right side of the road, okay? And... You know, I would tell them like, especially we get to kind of a top of the hill, and they would want to just go. And I would tell them, all right, you know, we're gonna ride on the on the right side of the road because the other cars are gonna come this way. And they'd be like, okay, Dad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd be like, you know, like immediately, you know, they 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 go for a little while, and then immediately they they're just over there like racing each other or something. And uh, I'm like, guys, you're on the left side of the road. You know, there's a UPS truck right there. <laughs> Um, and I think this is kind of illustrative of, you know, the principle that Jesus, the, the principle of lack of perseverance in obedience here that actually comes from ultimately from like inattentiveness, right? <clears throat> they hear, they get it, but so quick to forget and so quick to let it go. And what Jesus is calling us to here is perseverance with understanding and obedience, and that means keeping our attention on Him and what he's saying. For me, a really convicting like prayer, like Jesus teaching on prayer and persistence in prayer is one where I feel like this off I often like start on the right side and then I'm like getting over to the left side really fast, you know. And then thirdly is the soil with thorn thorns. He says in verse 18 and others are the ones sown among thorns. They're those who hear the word But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So this one, you know, this one's really interesting too because the person is attentive, they hear, they let the word take root in their life, it grows up, they want to obey, they do obey. But the thing is, they've got other stuff in the soil, right? And it's growing up as well. So much that it can crowd out and choke out the word and the fruitfulness of the word in their life. Some of the things that are crowding it out are even legit, right? Like the cares of the world. Like, I don't know what that is. Maybe, you know, car trouble. I uh, took out somebody's fender last night. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, is it what? Like one mile an hour? But. Still happen. Um, car trouble or, you know, babies or, you know, um, homework, career decisions. You know, these are the cares of the world. These are real things that you have to think about. And still, they can choke out the word, right? Uh, other things are a bit more insidious. The deceitfulness of riches. I mean, think about that phrase, the deceitfulness of riches. Um, money and possessions can rewire your brain. You can't even think straight anymore. They can <clears throat> rewire how you think about security and uh, you know your trust in God, what you trust in. They can rewire how you think about comfort and how much of it you need. They can rewire how you think about generosity and how hard it or easy it is to give up what you have. Jesus says this is another thing that can choke out <clears throat> the word in our lives. And then finally just the desires for other things, he says. I don't know what it might be, sports, career, you know, backpacking. <laughs> Whatever things that that you I think all of us have things that we like to do, that are good, but they can also also, be a thing in that soil that can take too much of it. So the person, he says in the end, who bears fruit, the good soil, we can extrapolate from this that that is the soil that doesn't have all of these other things, right? It's It's a person who listens with the desire to understand and obey, who is soft soil, right? Not hardened, who is willing to let the word penetrate the heart and mind. We can say that it's a person who who perseveres in seeking understanding and obedience, even when it's hard or unpopular. And we can say that it's a person who gives that word space to grow, even in the midst of the cares and desires of life. So I'd like to end with just a little story that um, I, okay, real talk again. Uh, I used to hear my, my dad was a preacher. I used to hear him tell this story, so I'm just going to tell it to you. Um, it's about uh, a missionary uh, in the early 1900s named James uh, Fraser, who was a missionary to um, a people group in China in the mountain regions of southern China. It's a really interesting story, actually, of long years of difficult struggle and lack of fruit, and through prayer and perseverance, uh, a real breakthrough for the gospel among that people group. But uh, the story goes that they would often take trips. He and his companions would take trips into the the mountain regions, and they would actually sleep in tents. And uh, his companions started to notice that every night, sometime in the middle of the night, that he, they, that that a light would come on in his tent for a little while, you know, click on for a while, click off, and then you know the night would go on. So eventually, they asked him, you know, what what are you doing in your tent in the middle of the night? And he said that uh, I am searching the scriptures looking for a command to obey. And that's always been kind of impactful to me, to think about that kind of posture, right, of listening to God. Lord, what it is, what is it, what can I do, how can I obey? And so my hope is that this would be our posture as we listen to Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for this word from you, how powerful and memorable it is. Lord, I just want to confess that I feel like this has been a season in my life where I have not been as attentive to you as I would like to be, that my engagement with your teachings has not been deep or characterized by wrestling and desire for obedience. So I want to confess that, Lord, and ask that you would renew me in this and just ask for this community. Um, that you would just make this, like, just characteristic of us. And that ultimately, the result would be would be more fruit.